You know what? This movie's so bad it doesn't deserve a cold open. That's what it gets. <laughs> hey, today we are back discussing Cats, starring Francesca Hayward, Judy Dench, Idris Elba, Jennifer Hudson, Laurie Davidson, Robbie Fairchild, Rebel Wilson, James Corden, Jason Derulo, Ian McKellen, Taylor Swift, Ray Winstone, and directed by Tom Hooper, who knows how to direct actors. Yes, you do. Uh, I am Ryan, one of your hosts here. I'm your jellical friend, Brendan. <laughs> I'm Matthew. I'm Logan. And today we are back with the last of our individual picks of this this little series of of reviews that we are doing with my pick. Uh, I'm the one that did this to us. Uh, this movie is called Cats, as you heard, and mm-hmm. this is a you know this is a monumental episode for us. Um, we we are reviewing one of the greatest films of all time. Um, <laughs> this and, movie. Uh, so yeah, isn't real quick before stupid. we get into Cats, you're stupid. Uh, Go back and listen to our last three individual pick episodes, which was Perks of Being a Wallflower by Brendan, The Fall by Matt, and About Time, or About Tim, uh, by Logan. And uh, so, yeah, we will be talking about at the end of the episode what we got coming up, but this was my pick, Cats. Everyone else picked a super emotional film to talk about that was important to them, (laughs) and I was like, you know what, we haven't done a goof in a while, so I'm going to do Cats, next we're here to do some goofs. Ryan, don't worry. My next pick is gonna is going to absolutely derail the podcast so hard. It it absolutely will. It I know what your next pick is, and yeah. it absolutely will. Be <laughs> be prepared and be excited for that review. Um, but real quick, guys, this is cats. Um, I mean, I mean, this was such a big thing back last Christmas time. But uh, yeah, give me your backgrounds with this film, Matt. Um, yeah. So I remember the news, hearing about this movie coming out. I can't remember what... Oh, it was the Les Mis podcast is mm-hmm. when this was brought up if you listen to our compilation <laughs> Also episode. directed by Tom Hooper. Yes, if you listen to our compilation episode, we talked about it there. And, and I brought up how, you know, if Brendan hated Les Mis, I'm, you know, I'm sure you would hate Cats. And, but that was before even any of the posters, any of the trailers came out. I like the musical. Because I remember once that came out, there was huge... I mean, that was all over the internet. And then when the actual yeah. movie came out, reading all the reviews and everything was hilarious. But no, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed Les Mis, so I guess I was a fan of his of, of what I had seen of Hooper's work. Um, I certainly didn't know anything about Cats uh, before the movie came out. But I mean, I, I, I watched it very recently just for the podcast. I'd kind of been putting it off. I, I was thinking about seeing it when it was in theaters just for the... Uh, cultural sake because everybody was talking about it but oh boy this movie is a doozy it is uh (laughs) yeah it's something i'm I'm excited to talk about it yeah i uh once this movie came out i resolved that i was never going to watch it i didn't (laughs) want to do it uh you know not only because everyone was saying that it was terrible and that it looked creepy, but like also just after Tom Hooper with Les Mis, I was not in the mood for another Tom Hooper musical. Um, and that is pretty much my extent of it. And then Ryan said that we were all going to have to watch Cats. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's basically my experience with this. I've never, um, never really seen the stage show. Obviously, everyone knows like Memory and some of the other like really big songs, but like yeah, I didn't really know the music from this very well. Um, and Brendan, I understand that you now have a little bit more background uh, than yes. with this than I do. So I'll be, I'll be very interested to hear um, some of your input on that matter. So my background with Cats is that around actually like right this time last summer, the, the first trailer for this film came out. And 
it got such amazing buzz on Twitter and not the kind of buzz that the filmmakers would have would have wanted. But <laughs> Twitter blew up when this trailer came out. And I was actually at Disney World back when you could go to Disney World without risking killing half your family. And I was at <laughs> Magic Disney Kingdom World and I decided, I'm like, soon. you know, I'm just going to sit down in this one this one restaurant. I forget what it was. And watch Where this trailer. Where was it? It was it was in Fantasyland, I want to say. I don't know. Not was important. It, was it be our guest in New Fantasyland? No, Beauty no. It was just a it was oh. a random like walk in sit down. Oh, um, okay. it wasn't be our guest. Um, but so it was the same day that the It Chapter Two trailer came out, and I was like so teary eyed for that uh, that movie. Go back and listen to that review. But so I sat down a little bit later. My family wanted to go on It's a Wonderful Life. That song makes me want to die. So I sat there it's and just wa- I'm like, you know it's what? A I'm gonna be here. It's a small time. world. Not It's yeah. a Wonderful Life. <laughs> oh, whatever. You know what? It's fine. I don't care. I don't care enough that I got that wrong because I hate it so much. Disney the World podcast most coming boring soon. Boring ass ride. It's Disney the best so ride. It's a wonderful and I will life. Fight you on it's that. It's so scarring. Um, but so I sat down and I watched the trailer for it, and I was so fascinated by it, but I was so terrified of it at the same time, and <laughs> I resolved to not see it in theaters. Um. As long as I could, as long as it didn't get good reviews and didn't get Oscar buzz and all of those things. So much to my um, amazement, the film came out and I was shocked that it was horrible, according to most of the critics, and that it wouldn't be getting any awards buzz other than Razzie Awards. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I can skip it. Um, And during quarantine here, you know, we've been we've been really ramping up our podcast production. We've been talking about a lot of movies and we've been talking about a lot of really good movies we talked about hitchcock we talked about talked about the alien series we've talked about some three really um varying films from good to great over the past three weeks and i was like you know what it's been a long time since we've talked about a real dud like even though i hated alien 3 that was a very good intellectual discussion and i was like you know what we need we need to talk about a goofy ass movie and i instead of choosing the goofy movie i chose cats (laughs) so that's my background with cats nice so, um, where to begin? Uh, as, as if you're a longtime listener of the Cinema Talk podcast, you'll know that I am, uh, your primary purveyor of musical theater as a musical theater major, um, and, uh, you know, professional actor. Um, but Cats... Local celebrity. Local celebrity. But Cats was something that i avoided you know i I feel like like the plague is no longer a valid uh way to describe something (laughs) because now we know that people don't avoid the plague um but i i very much avoided cats in the past um i obviously uh maybe that's the term we need now in society i avoided it like cats i avoided it like cats um but i had my one of my best friends growing up uh his older sister who was one of the people that got me into theater, uh, loved Cats. And I was like, no, never. I'd never watching it. I'd never want to see it. I saw like one picture of the costumes and I was like, I'm not watching the original stage show. And I was like, this is the epitome of bad theater. And I didn't know anything about it. I never saw it. Um, it's an Andrew Lloyd Webber show. So I like, I was weirdly confused about like, why, why does this look like something that is so terrible to me? And up until last night when I watched cats for the first time, I had never seen cats. I had listened to a few of the songs, but I had never seen it before. And I watched cats 
and I proceeded to do research on the original Broadway show. But this show, this movie, when I heard it was first coming out, I was like, fuck no, not another movie musical and not another fucking Tom Hooper original with celebrities playing these bullshit roles. (laughs) And we'll talk about it. But I now feel a sense of enlightenment to the meme (laughs) that is Cats. And, you know, I, I am very interested. And because I... I, I want to understand. I want to understand the driving force that why is this one of the most popular musicals to ever per, like play on Broadway or the West End? And why did they think that they could take this absolute joke and turn it into a movie that was somehow a good product? But we'll talk about that. Because what I have discovered... Is that Cats the musical? It's not that bad. The movie is fucking trash. But Cats <laughs> itself, Cats itself, the stage show, I don't know why I avoided this for so long. It's it's not terrible. I mean, it's it's ironically just kind of the like epitome of like weird ass theater. But like the music is like it's Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's pretty good. Um but I, I have prepared some things that I would like to get out of the way now so that I don't have to keep bringing them up during the course of the podcast about oh the, uh, about, yes, about what I've learned about the original uh, production of Cats and how we, so think of this as kind of my intro as to how we got to this point. How did we come to this movie? So. An oral history. Exactly. An oral history presented by Brendan Masser. Uh, So, Cats is based on the book Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats by T.S. Eliot, which was a children's poem, uh, poetry book that Andrew Lloyd Webber really liked as a kid. And when he, in the 70s, he started putting it to music and creating different songs about it. Um, Jellicle Cats is uh, a term that means dear little cats. Uh, so it's it's a combination of dear little to jellical, which maybe in a British accent means sounds similar. Uh, in this, a similar way, pollicle means poor little. The music in the Broadway show is different, um, and there were new ar- uh, like arrangements made for this movie. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber, when he pitched this show, had to take out a second mortgage on his house to finance it because nobody thought that this movie would do well. Logan, hmm. you looked like you had something Wait, you wanted to film? say. Wait, the film? Not no, 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 no. On the, uh, for the for the original Broadway musical, the show. The musical. Okay. okay. Yeah. No, I heard a really interesting story about this, and you probably know more details about it than I do. But it was something with the venue um, that when he was trying to get the venue for this show, um, they uh, there was something weird in the contract where uh, one of my friends knows a lot about this, but I I'm sort of relaying what I can what I have remembered, but. There was some kind of thing in the contract with the venue that uh, he would get a certain amount of money if it ran, you know, under a certain amount of time, because then that would mean that the theater doesn't waste that much time with cats in the in taking uh, taking up space in the venue. Or if it ran for a really long time, uh, then he would get paid a lot of money for it because then, you know, the theater would become famous for having like a really long show. So it either had to be really good or really bad. And somehow it's both. 
I hadn't heard mm. that. I, I did hear when it moved to Broadway, though, that they got a ridiculous amount of money to refurbish the theater that it was going up in because they oh, like sure. they really wanted it to succeed. Um, and it was like a like a very strange amount. Um, but no, I, I actually hadn't heard that. I, that's very interesting. Um, so Cats is the as uh, talking about Broadway. Cats is the fourth longest running show on Broadway ever. Um, and it is the sixth longest running show on the West End. The original production, uh, started in 1982 on Broadway and it ran for 18 years. Uh, and it played, uh, with, I think with the revival, it played 8,107 performances on Broadway. And T.S. Eliot got a, uh, a, a, a posthumous, um, Tony for it, uh, because wow. of how well it did. For so writing credits, I guess. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because because all of these songs are based are just the poems set to music, um, but he got like a lyric, uh, he got a lyricist Tony for it, uh, which is weird to think about. Uh, the original Broadway production used three thousand pounds of yak hair in its costumes to custom make <laughs> different wigs and things. Uh, just for reference, a standard yak, um, I believe, has about can produce up to like 2000 pounds of hair. So it was more than one yak for each costume. That's a good dinner party fact. I think that is a good dinner party fact. Yak facts. Uh, (laughs) The original Broadway show was sued for $6 million due to audience participation with Rum Tum Tugger. Uh, Rum Tum Tugger went out into the audience and started dancing with an audience member and she didn't want it. And they sued the show for $6 million, uh, which is fucking wild. Um, wow a little bit of tie-in with the film here judy dench was in the original production of cats uh in the west end and she tore her achilles so she had to leave um and she was put in i think she was replaced by the star of evita at the time but i'm not 100 percent sure but i believe she was playing grizabella and um uh, jenny any dots which is exciting um mm. Memory, the song Memory, was based off of poems that Elliot had never finished, and Andrew Lloyd Webber combined lines from Grizabella the Glamour Cat and Rhapsody, uh, Rhapsody on a Windy Night to finish the lyrics for the song. Um, and yeah, there's... <laughs> okay. Uh, in the version of Rum Tum Tugger that you hear in the movie is a new hip-hop version which was developed for the 2014 revival. Um Grumpy Cat was honored on Broadway at the revival in 2016. They brought Grumpy Cat on stage to receive some kind of award. Oh I don't my know. God. She looked very upset. And then she died later that year, which was very sad. RIP Grumpy Cat. Um, the original uh, show was choreographed by Gillian Lynn, who also did the, uh, the choreography for Phantom of the Opera. Um, another Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh, and the choreography for this movie was done by Andy Blankenbuehler, who uh, did the choreography Hamilton, for Hamilton. Right. So I thought that was a neat connection between, like, you know, Broadway past and present. Um, and this is not the last time that we'll be talking about Hamilton tonight. Some just saying precisely. Um, the but the only other thing that I have to say about this is that uh, one man decided, you know what. You know what would be really great? If we made a movie of Cats, this beloved Broadway show, and had Tom Hooper direct it. And that man, who executive produced this movie, was Steven Spielberg. 
Oh, uh, yep. Steven Sp- Entertainment made this film. <laughs> Damn it. Why? Steve. But anyway, that's that's all of my original uh that's all of my original how we got here facts about uh about the original run of cats. Um which all of which I learned today. So maybe I am not as much of a good musical theater boy as I thought. <laughs> well, either way on that point, Brendan. I'm going to read a one-sentence plot summary because that is all that this movie fucking deserves. And then we will get into our conversation. And uh, if, if you are a long-time listener of the show, you know that sometimes we go through plot point by plot point on the show. And sometimes we have a broad conversation about the film. There is no fucking plot points in this movie. So we, we, we will be having a broad conversation about cats. So uh, here is your one-sentence plot summary. A tribe of cats called the Jellicles must decide yearly which one will ascend to the heaviside layer and come back to a new Jellicle life. And that's the entire plot of the film. I think that wraps it up pretty fucking well. Thanks, IMDb. That's the only plot, plot is summary generous. that Floyd has not messed up in. Dude, honestly, <laughs> it was kind of hard to. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, guys, initial reactions with cats. Yeah, th- this movie was weird. Um... I, you know, like I said, I, I went in with all the expectations, knowing all the news headlines, knowing all the buzz online. So I was expecting something wacky. I was, and I obviously I'd seen the trailers. I'd seen the very garish and kind of disgusting and unnerving CGI. So I went in there with that knowledge, but I really didn't have any idea as to what the plot would be uh, or lack thereof. So th- that was probably the biggest thing that took me by surprise. Just the the story structure if you can even say this movie has one the absolutely just uh goofy songs i didn't know any of the music going in i understand this is all based off of poetry but i just don't think this translates well i think this is a horrible movie um i I think i may be the only one on the podcast who will be giving it uh the most positives though there are some things i like about this movie however it is overwhelmingly bad um, I saw a cat in real life after I finished this movie. <laughs> Scared the fuck out of me. All I could see was the human face. <laughs> Scary oh, as hell. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, my initial reaction after this was uh, to go in my bedroom and turn off the lights and listen to Jesus Christ Superstar and Phantom of the Opera. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar is my favorite musical probably ever, and... Uh, Phantom of the Opera is also definitely up there. And I just needed to remind myself that Andrew Lloyd Webber is not just the worst person who has ever lived um, after watching this. Look, this this is complete garbage. I, I This far surpassed my expectations of how bad it could be. I was expecting it to be like, well, yeah, it looks weird. But like, other than that, it's like, no, I, I, this movie legitimately infuriates me. Uh, every... Everything that I have ever, I don't know, it's just, oh my god, oh my god, this movie it is sucks. horrible. It really, really sucks. It's awful. I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know. We'll get into the specifics. That's all I can say for now. It's horrible. Now, Logan, you did send us a message while you were watching the movie uh, that said, I hope this doesn't awaken something in me. I hope this doesn't I, awaken anything in me. Yeah. I have to know. Did it? <laughs> it did not awaken anything in me, thankfully. That's good. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Still firmly against furries. Yes, obviously anti-furry <laughs> still. Thank God. And anti-whatever-the-fuck these things are. Yeah. Ugh. No, this movie is fucking awful. Um, it did legitimately hold my interest 
by how bad it was. Because mm-hmm. I, for for most of the movie, I was just like, this, <laughs> this is fucking horrifying. I was watching it with my friend Tim. Shout out to Tim. Um, because a, a couple of months ago, we had made uh, an agreement that I, if he watched some shit that I liked, that I would watch Cats. And then we had to do it for the podcast. So kill two birds with one stone. But I was watching it. And we were on a Zoom call. And he took pictures of every time I made a horrified face. And he, by the end of the movie, he just had so many screenshots <laughs> of me looking terrified. It was fantastic. Um, that being said, I was curious, uh, as I said before, about whether or not like the original Broadway show was like this. Um, and so it, I will say that it did drive me down a cat's rabbit hole following the viewing but the movie was still hot fucking garbage uh yeah so i have no one to blame for this but myself (laughs) um yeah basically i think that there's a possibility that this film is the actual hell (laughs) like that this movie is just hell and that hell is just this movie on repeat and that that's just what it is and it's it's not the worst film i've ever seen i think there are worse movies yes but attack of the clones i think there are worse films but i don't know if there's a film as perplexingly bad as this film like most times there are bad movies you can be like okay it was a bad script or okay it was chopped up in the editing room or okay or low budget, you know, it didn't have aspirations to be anything. This movie felt like the biggest disaster on screen that I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I have never seen someone swing so hard for the fences and just absolutely just fall on their ass trying to swing. Or, or I should say, maybe not their ass because there's no buttholes in this cut. Um, release the butthole cut release Release the butthole cut which is the whole reason that this podcast is happening you cowards i i just i don't i don't know how the fuck this movie exists the way it is like i don't know how many smart people okayed this and worked on this and allowed this to be a thing it is i am very happy that it's a thing because it is i think for the rest of cinema history we will look back at Cats as being this film of just, like, I don't know how this occurred. And there is no good explanation for why this is a thing. And yet we have it. This was a $60 million film. It made virtually none of its money back, rightfully so. And I am just, I'm so excited to be able to talk about this film with you guys. Because it is so obnoxiously perplexing and should not exist. But it I w- does, and I'm happy I actually does. think that this is the worst movie I've ever seen. I There wasn't a moment really? where I didn't want to turn this shit off. It was... <laughs> I, 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 I think this is the worst movie I've ever seen. No, like, hands down. Wow. I don't, I don't know. I, there are, like... I don't know. There's some... Maybe some tiny redeeming qualities. I don't know. Maybe you guys can... I, I have one positive. I have one clear positive. Okay, sure. Let's start with that, then. Idris yeah. Elba in a cat. Because I have some positives, too. Sure. sure. Okay, my one clear positive, um, which this has saved Death Note as well from getting an F. I'll tell you right now, this film is not going to get an F from me. I think Robbie Fairchild's really great in this film. I couldn't tell you yeah, the character name he plays. Monkstrap. Monkstrap. He has some 
he has some wonderful vocal performances. And I, of course, I, as we've talked about before, I am the film student. Brendan and Logan are the music guys. Um, so I don't know anything in terms of technicals, but listening to Robbie Fairchild, uh, while he was singing these, these songs that he got to, to sing, he was fantastic. And he is my main positive in this film. Yeah, yeah, I will actually agree with you. I, um, Brendan, I don't know how you felt about it, but I also really liked the, the performance from a technical standpoint, just his, his voice. I, I, I thought he had a, a beautiful voice when he, when he got to sing. Um, mm-hmm. some of those really nice, nice and high phrases. Uh, and he, he kind of flipped out of that upper register really, really nicely. Just some beautiful stuff. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he's, I mean, he's one of the only ones who like, wasn't a big movie actor. He's yeah. He's not enough to save it though. As I Well, no. like, yeah, and the right. star so, of this movie is just a ballet dancer. Yeah. yeah. So oh, Brendan, she, she Brendan really I don't know. Too. I'll give Francesca Hayward a pass. I hope that this doesn't kill her career. Sure. She was. Yeah, mostly harmless. Brendan, do you know uh, what Robbie Fer- Robbie Fairchild is? That the guy's name? Uh, yes. Yeah, I believe so. I do you know the what his background is? Oh, the name sounds super familiar. Like, uh, did he do Broadway? Because I feel like that would make sense. He, is, yes, um, he was. He originated the role of Jerry in an, an American in Paris, um, and I think that's like his big claim to fame. Uh, mm-hmm. But he was also in Chorus Line. I'm seeing here and uh, Oklahoma and Brigadoon. So he's, he's definitely had his fair share of, uh, of, of theatrical work. Um, but his, his big thing would be, uh, an American in Paris. Cool. Yeah. I would, I would say he was fine. I think, see that brings um, me to one of my negatives and also one of my positives is that I, I, I actually thought I didn't really like his singing. Uh, I, I'm on the same side as Floyd. I don't really know much about the technical standpoint of this music. It's kind of just whether it sounds good to me or it doesn't. And to sure. me, it just I just I just couldn't really jive with it. And also, the cadence of a lot of, of a lot of these songs is really goofy because you know they're taking it from poetry. And a lot of the times, I just thought it was so fucking wordy. Like Judy Dench's music is so wordy <laughs> and all over the she place. Just talks. <laughs> Maybe you want to pull my hand, my hair out, but I. So oh, this brings me to one of my positives, which is going to be really wacky. But I do think that the CGI works for some characters. Oh, for no. some, and absolutely, for, before... and for this one, I don't think it worked at all. I always thought it looked very strange. The characters that I think it worked on were uh, the Jennifer Hudson and the Magician. I thought both of them looked like. Magical I'm not Mr. saying Mistopolis. this is amazing. I think it looked decent, and I and it like it didn't weird me out when I looked at them. Maybe it was Jennifer... just the way their face was structured or something, but I thought it looked all right, and I just couldn't Jennifer stand looking Hudson at the Robbie Fairchild. Terrifying. Guy. So I want to swing back around to uh, the technical stuff just to address some of the things that Logan was saying. Um, I think from a a vocal standpoint, I I agree with you. I think he has a really awesome voice, um, and especially being such a great dancer. Um, if that was even him in the CGI. Um, I think that he was very soft-spoken and I would like to hear him sing in an actual like theater setting um, to like kind of compare. But I think for like a film setting for being as like close as they were when he was singing, I think it really worked. Um, I don't know if you felt that way as well. Uh, but I, I think that especially like because he was a little lighter and then going today at, for the first time listening to the original Broadway in London casts, um, which... Why did I do that to myself? <laughs> um, I but listening to them and and listening to the differences between them, um, I think that for a film medium, it's like he's made like if I haven't heard, I I wouldn't want him to sing like that 
if it was on stage. But for a film, I think it works. Um, yeah. But getting into the uh, <laughs> the CGI, um, it it just it looks so bad, Matt. It, like there is no character that it looks good on. There, like even I Mr. Agree. Mistopheles, it, it it just it looks and they like every time. Okay, I have a note. I forget what they call it. It's like uh fucking oh man, what what do they call it? Uh, digital fur technology is what it's referred to in all of the interviews as. And it just looks so goddamn bad. And I'm like, you should like one thing that's interesting. Have you guys seen any of the costumes from the Broadway show with the yak? Briefly. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that it would have worked better if they had done the costumes like that? Absolutely. I think it might have. I think it may have See, like, been no more. I don't realistic. think it would have worked on, like in, in in the film medium. I don't think it would have okay. translated well because the costumes, from what I understand from the Broadway performance, are very theatrical. They're very over the top with a lot of makeup and like, like yeah. obviously they're not made to look realistic. And I think that works better on on the stage. I think this movie, sure. uh, this musical, should just never be translated to a movie. Is the answer? Correct. I completely <laughs> agree with you. I was I was trying to think about this because. Um, I guess we'll, we'll just get to this now. Um, so my dad has experience with this show. I, I watched this movie with him. Um, and so he was able to kind of enlighten me. I was like, he was like, yeah, like I, I like some of the music, but like this movie is really bad. And um, <laughs> he, and I was like, what do you like about this musical? Like not the movie, like just the musical. What do you like about it? Um, and so he, he saw it when he was in college and he says a lot of the appeal, um, you know, in the kind of, uh, I think it started in like 82, Yes, right? 82. Yeah. Um, so, like, when he saw it, a lot of the appeal was sort of, um, it, well, specifically the costumes. The costumes are a big part of the stage show. Um, and also, like, the atmosphere, it's very, I mean, like, a lot of it takes place in a theater, and it's sort of, like, um, and we'll actually, we'll talk about another element of this that I think is really poorly done, um, later but kind of like all the characters are sort of auditioning for this you know to be the one that makes it up to the the heavy side layer and the the appeal seems to be that uh there's there is a kind of interactive element as we heard with the lawsuit thing that happened um but yeah like the it's it's about being there in that location and i was thinking that uh the costumes are actually very similar to the ones in the lion king uh, on broadway Sort of. um, yeah. yeah, and I think that the Lion King can teach us a lot about <laughs> sort of how to translate things, um, you know, to the screen because the Lion King remake where all the lions just look very realistic doesn't work. It takes all of the fun out of it. Um, and it, my question is not. And so I, I don't think that those Lion King Broadway costumes would be good on the screen either. And I don't think that the cats costumes would be good. Do you think that this that cats? Could be an animated picture. Oh, I have two. I have two points. It kind of is. This is just already. <laughs> I I have two points. One animated. Yes, this movie should have been an animated film, and I don't know why any studio executive let this version of this film be made. I mean, like it's Second not like all, a kids' movie, so it would no, be kind of weird to have it be an animated movie. Movie. No, but in, like in I their... think that format is just so much better. But like, yes. if that's not a viable format just keep it on the stage this never needs to be a movie this is already partially an animated film you might as well go the full extent just make it a full animated film my point what i'm going to talk about actually to bring it back to something else that we talked about earlier hamilton 
what if this is what you wanted if this is the feel that you wanted the way that your your dad explained it logan Mm-hmm. Just go the Hamilton route and record a stage production and release it in well, theaters or on Disney Plus <laughs> or on any streaming service of your choice. The Ryan, reason there, that Hamilton works a film as a film now is because you are just on the stage there with Lin Manuel Miranda, Leslie Odom Jr., you know, all of those fantastic performers watching them perform in this amazing setting. What is so eerie about this film is they tried to have the best of both worlds. <laughs> And it just is so fucking scary to watch. It's weird yeah. because they try yeah. to give you that that lay miz type of like it's very similar similar to lay miz and like there's a lot of kind of like shaky cam. You're kind of running around the streets. You feel on eye level with these cats. You feel like you're in this environment with them. With for me, one of my positives, I actually think it worked at times. But it's such a weird juxtaposition. It just feels gross. It, it doesn't like you. It, it feels like. Like, they're really, like Floyd said, they're swinging for, like, this Oscar-level look with this weird fucking musical with the weird music. Yeah, I totally agree. And, Floyd, that's actually why I was going to bring up Hamilton. I I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head. This is is what it should have been. And let me be honest, I think that Hamilton, if they tried to do it like this, would be a pretty shitty movie. I think it works... Hamilton would not be a good film. No, yeah, it, it works amazingly well on stage, and and I'm so happy with the recording that we have that's on Disney Plus now. Um, like, just really well shot, but, like, you need... Like, the stage is such an integral part um, of, like, how they tell that story, and, like, going to different locations of, like, going to, you know, the... the whatever uh, Monticello, and, like, I, I can just imagine <laughs> going to, like, battlefields and stuff and trying to act this York stuff out and it just you know it it, it wouldn't work um and so yeah i feel like uh and brendan I, I know you have something something to interject here but then i want to talk about the locations in this movie yes of course i just wanted to say um real quick that uh i don't know if you could hear me over the other conversation but there is a filmed version of this that came out in 1988 um oh, okay and what i think would be really interesting is for all of us to at some point I'm not saying we have to do it like as a scheduled podcast, but maybe as like a mini-sode to watch the original Broadway production. Well, it's not the original Broadway production, but the film Broadway production uh, that went directly to VHS and talk about it and and talk about why it works better than this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I, I watched some clips from it today and it just seems so much better. God, I don't want to sit through this again. I know, but that's a thing. <laughs> well, it's better. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. Tr- I don't believe you. I don't okay. believe you that it's better. Well, then that'll that's... be something to talk about if we do that. Sure. So well, I don't believe you that it's going to be a worthwhile experience. I believe you that it's better. I'll oh, put okay. it that way. Fair enough. So let's talk about the... Uh, so the the fact that there's no plot, basically. It's just characters yes. introducing themselves um, yes. for the whole time. Uh, and I think the allure of why this sort of works on the stage is that you're in a theater basically the entire time. And it's sort of set in a theater as you know, the last like hour and 15 minutes of this movie are. And um, I think the, the sort of appeal of this is that all of these, you know, different characters are sort of auditioning um, to, to, for the Jellical choice. And um, I think that's an interesting way to go about things, which is why, I don't understand why for the first part of this movie, they go to different locations. They're in like the milk bar and they're like out on the street and they like are running around the house. And like, it, that none of that makes any 
sense at all. Like, it should all be in one place, because when you go around to different locations, that makes it seem like there's supposed to be a plot, and there is no plot. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. So what, what I want to say is, I, I think that for a movie musical to work, it has to do something different than the theater version. Like, you can't just copy-paste it onto it. Like, it has to do something different. And I think that's one of the reasons why Les Mis doesn't work out that well. I think they, they try to just, like, follow along with the same seamless format. So I, I do like how they go to different locations because that was one of my positives. I really like the different locations. I think it looks cool. There's kind of like this, like, like the whole, like, the, I'll call it Times Square um, like it just looks like a hellscape. I just I love the synthy the like it almost had this uh, Vangelis Blade Runner uh, aspect to it with the synthy score at times. Um, so I did really like that. Well, that's just but a but I, yes, but 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 the 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 way that I mean I'm assuming they're kind of emulating the the musical itself the way it just kind of flows into the next song. You know, there's not really like this scene, this scene, this scene. And I think it would have worked better if they maybe would have gone for a scene structure, or maybe it wouldn't because the whole idea of the musical is so weird. I think it really just boils down to what I said before: don't make this into a movie. Yeah, and okay, here's my question about the location. Where do they live? Do they live in like a real town? Because they seem like they're supposed to be like real sized cats in it's a town London. built by humans with like human sized doors and stuff. But then like, and there's a human in a regular car. But then all of the billboards are cat themed. Like Matt, did you see the one right. for Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap? No, I did. Sense. Yes, which we were both I, which, in together. I don't know. Yeah, it was silly. But then all of the locations are the Milk Bar and the Meow Club. Like these are very clearly just places cat like jokes. for cats and again maybe this is something that if this were an animated movie i could believe that but they try to set it in the real world they try and fall hard on their ass the and, oh, and also design. they show the fucking tower bridge at one point and the thames like we know yeah, they're they're in, london. they're in london but it's but supposed the to be like design of this movie makes absolutely zero sense and is right. so ugly as all CGI like they're as well. in london but Correct. then it's supposed but, to be like a cat version of london but it's not london. just a cat version of london because people are there and people have built their people-sized things oh maybe that's God. like how they see it maybe we're supposed to interpret it like oh this is how the cats see it like i don't know i man yeah, i don't one, know <laughs> one point that i want to make real quick before we keep going with with this discussion is that you talked about the fact that this movie has no plot and I, I wanted to touch on that a little bit. You could argue that the Hollywood Review of 1929 got a Best Picture nomination, which is literally two hours and 40 minutes of people just coming on the stage. You know, it's it's a filmed production, basically, and people doing numbers. You know, well, yeah. the, uh, the song Singing of the Rain was in that and all these different things. And that's basically, I'm assuming, the appeal of the original show. Basically, it's a variety show. It is. You know, you get to see all these people come out, do these amazing things. I've heard a lot of it is dance-based. Yes, well, so on Broadway, that's, very that's how cool. it's framed. And that's very cool to go and watch. But for a film, for what they were going for, for this Oscar Beatty Christmas season, huge tentpole blockbuster film with absolutely zero plot and just everything coming together the way it did with the CGI and the production design and all this stuff that is just atrocious, casting celebrities, just putting that all together into this variety show that this is supposed this show is supposed to be makes no sense and yeah so fails for it and i think that if it were all set in the theater like this last most of the movie is like then that would make sense like as a review but the fact that they try to take it to different locations makes it seem like they want to have a plot and this is my main issue with it 
shit just sort of happens. Yep. Characters come in and they leave Life, and they uh, do kind of happen and they do happens. unimportant stuff and the the tone just changes without any reason whatsoever and it's just it's the most baffling shit I've ever seen. And you can even tell like there's one moment where they're they're kind of transitioning or trying to transition. I think it's when they're going I think that when they're transitioning to the 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 stage where the auditions are going to happen and the the Robert that actor that we were talking about before says to, to the main character, "Come on." And then you can clearly see that they inserted a line in post because you don't <laughs> see him speaking at all and he's like, "Come on." And then he says like the where they're going and what is going to happen because they were like, "Ah, this makes no sense if we just leave it like this." <laughs> and it's so obvious that they realize that they fucked up. <laughs> It, it very much reads like uh, a review, I think. And it, it is sort of this like song cycle about cats because it's based on a book of poetry, which is just like a bunch of disjointed poems about various cats. Which is the point of a book of poetry. Well, right. And then Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, this would work as a theater show because it's just people watching cats. And like dance is like, b- on, like the thing that I knew about cats before I saw it was this is a dance show. And it was like, I will never be in Cats because I am not a dancer. Um, Nolan probably knows more about it uh, than I do because he is a dancer and, you know, could actually be in this show. But but I think the thing is that the only real plot points that we get are and and i haven't watched the the original uh stage show the whole way through yet um but it's mccavity's various appearances kind of tie together a story building to when old deuteronomy is gonna get kidnapped this fucking the devil is kidnapping jesus i guess devil cat kidnaps jesus cat um but like we get these tiny little appearances from idris elba just kind of like being the devil um, and then we get Taylor Swift's, you know, rockin' jamming ballad, uh, where it's a drug trip. But and, yeah, there, and fucking Jason Derulo, he was Jason terrible Derulo. in this movie. Oh my god, he was my closest thing to a positive besides Robbie Fairchild. Okay, hold I on. Be honest, Jason he was Derulo. Okay, Derulo is not British, right? No. no, I didn't think so. Why does he do an accent? <laughs> I don't know. Why does Taylor know. Swift do an know. accent? Because it's London. London cats. The Thames. Because they're British cats. But like, okay, see, here's the thing. If it's not important for the people to be British, don't have them be British. If it is important, cast British actors. There are so many better British singers than Jason Derulo and Taylor goddamn Swift. I haven't heard that man since Talk Dirty to Me in like 2014. (laughs) Like if they wanted the celebrity status icon to bring people to the theater, why'd you bring Jason Derulo? I was going to say, he's a TikTok guy. He's a TikTok guy. Oh, that's true. He's popular. A a positive I'll say about Jason Derulo is when during his Rum Tum Tugger song, he just screams, milk. (laughs) That's very reminiscent of His whole thing was, I'm fickle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I know, that's what that made me think of. But, okay, that diner scene is also so weird when they go in and dance with the on the diner. It feels yeah. like, because, okay, originally, apparently, this was supposed to be, like, an Elvis kind of character, which makes sense. Makes sense wh- why they go with the 50s diner look and these neon lights and, like, the jukebox kind of feel. But you don't get that from Jason Derulo. Nope. How could you Hell possibly no. get that from Jason Derulo? Well, and, and this like, is my main point with the movie. Tom Hooper does not know what the <laughs> fuck this show is supposed to be. He doesn't know what Les Mis is supposed to be. He doesn't understand what he's putting on the screen. He just puts shit on the screen. You're correct. 
Yeah, I think that the whole thing was they changed it in 2014 for the revival, and then they were just like, yeah, we need Jason Derulo to sing this hip-hop part, but we're also not going to change anything else about it being an Elvis character. So they just were like, we can do both. It's, It's them going back to the, oh, we can get the best of both worlds. Um, and I don't understand why they were like, great, let's have them do British accents. I will say, though, my two favorite characters, Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser, uh, yes. their Cockney accents were fantastic. Uh, and they are by sure. far the two best characters in this movie. They are. They are. So a couple things that I want to bring up personally, just as a few different uh, plot points to discuss. First of all, um, the lyrics are good. I hate the music, and this music makes me finally understand why I hear some people say fuck Andrew Lloyd Webber, and I get it now, because this music is horrible, minus Memory. Memory's oh, a good song, This music but slaps. I hate the music in this show, which makes me believe that I would hate the stage show as well. Can There's you, some good stuff. Yeah, can you can you pinpoint why? that like Was there specific things that you didn't like? Maybe, okay, maybe I hated the Taylor Swift song. That's fair. I hated that I song. I didn't mind that one. That was the one that stuck out to me the most. Maybe it was just everything around it was so off-putting that the <laughs> mu- anytime I would just, like, heard someone sing any lyric, I was just like, this is just wrong. I, I, I couldn't... The only song I could pinpoint as, like, actually making me want to, like, die was the Taylor Swift song. But wow. I, there was there were so many times. Basically, any song other than Memory, even when Robbie Fairchild was singing, I'm like, I hate what's happening right now, but you have a good voice. So there is one quick thing that I forgot to mention in my oral history, um, which is I... You know, you might listen to Cats and be like, why is, this, why is this music so weird? Like, why is it so off-putting? The rumor is that when Andrew Lloyd Webber was developing this show, that he got his writer's room together, and they all did a bunch of cocaine. Makes sense. And wrote the whole thing completely coked out. Um, That is just what I've heard. Uh, Nose candy makes sense. I kind of hope it's true, though, because that that would really put things into perspective for me. Yeah. No, I think it's very hard to separate what is going on on the screen, which is obviously so horrendous from the music. I I do think there's some good music in here. Um, Skimbleshanks, awesome song. Skimble Starts Shanks. off in thirteen eight, absolutely wild. Um, what song was that? The Cat Railway Dancing Cat. Pants Cat. That one was oh, fun. God. I like that one. No, it came out of nowhere. No. Um, Gus's song is good. Ian McKellen. Oh, I that's mean, sweet. that is best yeah. scene of the movie. Yes. That is a that is the okay, only I'll scene that I will scene. say is a good scene. I, I I think that's a that's an awesome scene. There are two songs that I would say are really bad. One is um, Growl Tiger's song on the oh my god that sucks on the barge or whatever where he's Ugh, just singing it's horrible. Like, it's the most boring thing I've ever heard. It's not a good melody. He's just going like it's just like quarter note shit with like it literally just like it sounds like some random piano track just in the background just playing the exact same thing that he's singing. It's so terrible. And then um the Mr. Mistopheles song goes on so long, and I have a really yep. specific issue with that scene of why that it is so sucks. insulting to everyone watching the movie. That um, one sucks. But I wanted to, I wanted to talk about um, the dancing. Yes. Uh, and the fact that I'm sure it's very impressive to watch on stage, but it is not impressive uh, no. to watch in this show because 
you can tell at points, it's sped up. Like, they speed that shit up to make it look like they're cats and they can move fast because they're cats or whatever. And so then, like, when uh, Skimbleshanks is, is tap dancing, maybe that dude in real life is a really talented tap dancer. We'll never know because they just CGI the fuck out of everything. True. And it, it, this brings me to my point about the technology is that I think that sometimes the CGI works when it's the close-ups of some, like some of PS4 the characters. Game. But it looks it's worse when you zoom out and you see fucking humanoid cat people tap dancing and scurrying around. It looks so creepy and so unnatural. The worst part of the CGI is not the cats. It's not even the, the mice. Oh, or they're cockroaches, both of which look terrible. The mice look mm-hmm. absolutely awful. They're just, like, little, like... <laughs> they look like fucking mu- mucus monsters from, like... From shitty, like, TV commercials. Like, the it's Mucinex that level of... It's... They literally... They're the level of the Mucinex monster, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yep. But, no, the worst CGI in the whole thing is when there's CGI water going into James Corden's mouth. Oh, my Seriously. God. CGI water that he's drinking. Okay, this is this is what I'll say about the technology and the CGI and whatnot. I mean, this is speaking for someone who doesn't. I mean, this is like a, 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 me speaking about the technical stuff of this. Like, I don't know too much about it, but uh, but when I say, I, I think that technically, technically, the the CGI looks good in this movie, and I mean that to say like the fur looks realistic. You know, the per- like I, I couldn't, you know, there were a few scenes that I could tell, oh, that's a green screen. You know what I mean? But I think what this reveals is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you Brandon, just, can doesn't mean just you beca- should. Yes. To yes. quote JVN, just because you can CGI a bunch of cats in a movie does not mean you should and it will look good because it doesn't. It looks bad. So that's why when I'm issuing my positives, it's like, oh, I really like the production design of the diner. I think the colors are beautiful. I think every single set here is is really gorgeous to look at. I, I think it's beautiful. I think the bed scene with the Mungo Jerry and the whatever, Rumble when they're flailing teaser. about and the feathers are everywhere, I think that's beautiful. I don't know if it's, you know, if me attributing, me saying that Tom Hooper may not know how to direct actors, but he knows how to construct Definitely doesn't know scenes. how to direct dancers, that's for sure. Yes, yes. I don't know if that's falsely attributing you know, that credit to him. Maybe that should be to specifically the production designer. But I do think that Les Mis looked, you know, from a set perspective, looked beautiful as well. So I'm going to say it to him. Film. I think he can construct good-looking environments that are, you know, kind of draw me in. And that was what, you know, I think in every single scene I had an overwhelming amount of negatives. But there's always like, okay, at least the background is pretty to look at. Something I wanted to say about the Mungo Jerry and Rumple teaser scene, the most horrifying part of this movie is the fact that we hear a dog and based on the fact that Never. <laughs> based on the fact that cats are played by people, mice are played by people, and cockroaches <laughs> are played by people, we can assume that the dog on the other side of that door is a person that's somewhere between the size of a cat and a real person. Oh fuck. And that's horrifying. Oh man. Uh, I will say I am a Rumble Teaser Stan. You may quote me on that. My favorite, my favorite character. Um, but wait, I, who was that again? I have prepared the a, girl thief. Uh, the what? The you know the 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 two of them, Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser. They had the fun song where they're wrecking the shit. Rumble Teaser. Oh, they're, right. they're the, like the thieves, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, when they both just randomly kick the air at one point and something shatters, and we're like, what the hell just shattered? They didn't yeah. kick anything? 
Oh man, but okay. I have a I have a list prepared of video games that look better than this movie. <laughs> and I would like to I would like to read them to you now. Uh The Witcher 3, Persona 5, Shadow of the Colossus, Paper Mario, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, the original Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo, Pac-Man, Street Fighter, the original arcade game where it was just blocks and all you could do was crouch and kick, and uh, the last one on this list is Pong. <laughs> if i and can list. add tetris as well excellent list yes. my friend thank you yes so so there are a few more things a few more specific moments that i want to talk about on this show before we wrap it up the first one is about 20 minutes into the film you know i was already like what the fuck i so i watched this on a car ride um and i turned it off after these scenes and it was the, the, the sequence with Rebel Wilson. Ugh. There is some of the most unnerving. Why did she take her skin off? Hellish. And then she gets again later. Moments yeah. in cinematic history. First of all, the mice being little children is so crazy to look at. Second of all, she wears a suit of seemingly her own fur and skin, which she takes off and I almost passed out. The most atrocious is having the cockroaches be marching humans as cockroaches. And she eats them. Looking at the screen, singing, being cute, and then Rebel Wilson looking at the camera and just fucking eating she them. She vored them. Is, what the fuck it was that? So <laughs> terrifying. The and my tone notes, of that scene. My notes is there is no respite from this hell. I <laughs> wanted so badly for this just to be over. And it kept going for a long time. Like I was I saying, said, up was, into the... Yeah. Up yeah until like I said, there was scene, never a moment where I didn't want to turn it off. Up until this scene, because then Jason Derulo also pops up here. Up until this moment, I was like, all right, you know, I, I'm kind of into this. I, the visuals are weird. The CGI is weird. But I, I kind of, I like I said, I enjoyed some of the design. I thought the city looked really cool. And I was like, okay, I, I, I'm interested to see where this goes. As soon as they hit us with that Rebel Wilson stuff and the Jason Derulo and the mice, the quickest downturn I've ever seen. Oh, my God, it's terrible. And the slapstick comedy that they throw in your face at every single second. Something that was really frustrating to me was learning after the fact that this number with Jenny Any Dots um, features Jenny Any Dots, but um, how many times am I going to say Jenny Any Dots? Who knows? Um, but the um, the scene with Jenny Any Dots has three different cats that sing it in in like a I think it's a three part harmony um, for the most part, and then she fills in some of the blanks. You know, Jenny Any Dots. Um, but uh, regarding Jenny Any Dots, I think that I am glad they set up the skin thing with Jenny Any Dots uh, beforehand so that we, we understood what Jenny Any Dots was doing when Jenny Any Dots decided to Jenny Any Dots her Jenny Any Dots skin. 11. No, they, didn't, they did not set that up properly because I, when she <laughs> unzipped herself, I literally almost passed out. I was like, that is I meant the second one time. of the scariest things I've ever seen on cinema. With the, the second Matt, time. I think I, I wanted to talk about mice. with the slapstick comedy. Mm -hmm. who is this movie for 
Like when when fucking fat ass cat, whatever his name is, Bustifer. Bustifer Jones! <laughs> Bustifer crushes Buster his Ryan. nuts in a trash can. <laughs> Who is that for? Who is that for? It's not it's for, for the older audiences that saw it back in the 80s. It's not for like serious like like that it like that's the thing Floyd you're saying this is like an Oscar Beatty movie that just fell on its ass, but that's not an Oscar Beatty thing to put in a movie. That no, doesn't make not. any sense. It like oh, it doesn't it's an uh, Oscar Beatty I don't film understand. That doesn't understand how to win Oscars. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and even James Corden's lines they feel like they just copy pasted his sense of humor and his type of line delivery from you know whatever late night show he hosts. Late, late so it's show. this weird conglomeration of I'm, I'm garish, you know, visual horror of me eating ice, and then this slapstick comedy mixed with like this you know humor from his show. It just feels like oh, we have a bunch of celebrities in the show. Uh, some of them can't really act, so we'll just give them what they're always good at. What we always get from them. I, yeah, I want to talk about two specific moments that go along with the theme of Tom Tom Hooper not understanding in the least what he's putting on the screen. Um, and one of these actually comes uh, in the scene with James Corden. It's the seesaw joke, right? Where he, where someone jumps on it and oh, he's like, God. well, that obviously wasn't going to work. Come <laughs> on. James Corden's fat. <laughs> James Corden's fat. Body it's funny shaming. to fat shame. He He's sensitive about his weight, okay? He has a line that's a joke about that. In the middle of his song, about how he's so proud of how fat a cat he is. He's the yeah. fat cat on the block. He's really proud of that. He sings a whole goddamn song about it. And then when it's funny, he's sensitive about his weight. That is just, there is no, there's no more obvious sign that Tom Hooper doesn't like, it's uh, obviously it's a different director than the person who's writing the music. But like, it feels like he's never even heard the music. It feels like he doesn't know what the lyrics are, he doesn't know what the point of anything is, mostly because there is not a point to a lot of the things in here. <laughs> but, like, oh my god, it's such a clear, like, contradiction there. You can't do that. You can't. That doesn't make any sense. And then the other contradiction that I found um, was in, in the very first song, the, introdu- the introduction to the Jellicles, they say that Jellicles always land on their feet, you know, like cats do in real life. That's not a jellicle thing. It's like when they look up at the moon and they're like, ooh, the jellicle moon. Like, no, that's just the fucking moon, idiots. <laughs> but, then, but then they say that jellicles always land on their feet, but that's the same as what cats do. And then within like two minutes of each other, we see Mistopheles fall on his ass and we see Jenny Annie Dots, 12, fall on her ass. And like, <laughs> it doesn't make, like, it's clearly those are just put in there for like some basic comic relief that Tom Hooper was like, this is a good idea to put this in, and has never heard the music, has never heard the lyrics, doesn't know anything about what he's putting on the screen. It's so frustrating. This is kind of a nitpicky thing with the source material, um, but something that I thought was really funny is that there are two very strange lyrics regarding Macavity, um, which, of course, Macavity, Idris Elba, the devil as a cat um who wants to be resurrected i don't know um but so the first one i want to talk about is that they refer to him as the napoleon of crime which is what sherlock calls moriarty and that just feels very like shoehorned in there like look how british we are or something (laughs) like that uh but the other one are you sure you don't mean (laughs) boniati boniati and bone lock bones listen to an episode what nine eight of seven it it was seven seven. bones yes till we bone again 
Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> another thing uh, that they say about McCavity is that he has committed every... He has... No, I'm sorry. He has broken every human law. <laughs> <laughs> so... He's committed. There's wanted posters for him. What the fuck did he do? Crime. He kill a man? He, he, it's he, a cat. he committed tax evasion. <laughs> tax. He's jaywalked. He's jaywalked. He's committed every human crime. As a cat, we know wow. this. That's. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't read that deeply into that line, but that is just, really <laughs> interesting. I just thought it was very funny. Yeah. Yes, right. Okay, so there's a few more things that I want to run through. Sure. Um, one of them, one of the most perplexing is Jennifer Hudson and whatever fucking movie she's in, because she's not in the movie that the rest of the the people are in. in No, she is. She, no, I disagree. She shows up and she is just, you know, everyone else is being goofy and seems like maybe they understand that this whole thing's a joke. She shows up. She's cowering in a corner. She's like, oh, I'm so damaged. I'm so hurt. I'm assuming this from a cavity. I could be wrong. Um, is he a pimp she's like the, and is she a prostitute? I think so. Huh. Yes. I think what? those are both of the things that we are supposed to take from those characters and yeah. that she was like discarded by him. I think that's the plot. I don't know for sure. Oh. I don't think there's any answers to that, but Jennifer Hudson's like, Oh my God, I'm such damaged goods. You know, all this stuff. I can sing really good. And then she randomly out of fucking nowhere pulls memory out of her ass and this song well, is not beautiful. Really. No buttholes. She sings it so beautifully. But in the context of this goofy ass movie about cats trying to ascend to whatever heaven they are, all of Let a sudden. the cats die. They all want to die. All of a sudden, Jennifer Hudson pulls out some sad prostitute song like I Dreamed a Dream from Les Mis. And it makes no fucking sense at all. Similar, I I do have a comparison to make to I Dreamed a Dream a little bit later. Uh, But yeah, this memory is a nice song. Mm -hmm. But in the context of this movie, and maybe it's different in the stage version. I'm not going to shit on the stage version too much because I don't have that much experience with it. But in the context of this movie, it has no weight. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. And it all begins with this. The fact that everyone else uh has a collar and they 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 all i guess have owners and this is just like secret life of pets where they sneak out and you know the owners don't know that they're you know sentient cats um and yeah and so they don't want to touch her they don't want to go near her because she's homeless meanwhile veronica our like main character straight man who we're supposed to or straight woman who i guess we're supposed to identify with the whole way and you know she's sort of like our lens into this weird ass world um because she's discovering it while we are they just like they're super nice to her she's thrown in there in a bag and then there's all so nice to her and they're just like explaining stuff and showing her around and then grizabella shows up homeless and they're like no fuck you you're terrible we all hate you and actually i didn't get that this was kind of a plot point but um when my dad was talking about this stuff, he was like, um, like, yeah. And then like towards the end, like Veronica, you know, touches Grizabella. And apparently that's a huge thing. Cause no one Victoria. wanted to touch her. Not Victoria. Veronica. What did I say? Veronica. Veronica. That's, Heather's. that's what I have in my notes. I don't know why. I don't even remember what her name was. Whatever. I have something about the names character. of cats later because it, Oh, me too. Um, yes. 
Yeah, don't worry. But yeah, it's just like it apparently there's a thing where like no one wants to touch Grizabella and then, you know, Victoria finally does at the end because she wants to show her kindness and like that's a whole thing, but that doesn't that doesn't read at all. No. Like and the thing with memory is that like yes, it it's beautiful, it's somewhat well done, but like it just has no weight and neither does anything with the Grizabella plot because like because of that point because there's no difference in these characters but they treat them entirely differently for the only for the sole purpose that that's how the characters get treated and that's how it goes and then and we want to set her set up her getting to be the one that gets to be ascended yeah the one that the one that apparently just gets to like commit suicide like what's the point yeah. Hooray. Okay. <laughs> anyway not not about that but a very a very disappointing moment to me um was when uh, Jennifer Hudson finally lets loose and she just belts her heart out and it's this it's supposed to be this amazing moment. The sound mixing in this scene is awful. It's absolutely Horrible. terrible. The, the orchestra is pumped up so loud, it totally drowns her out. And this is like the big moment that we've been waiting for. I am appalled that I heard sound mixing of this quality in a movie that has a budget over $10.50. Like, how does this happen? How does this, this happen? Literally, we can do better sound mixing. Literally, we yeah. Are doing send me the sound score currently. Send me the score and the voice part from As that scene, and I will fix mic. it. Like, it's so, it's so absolutely infuriating. No, you're right. I hadn't pinpointed that, but that was something I noticed. Um, it was during another song, but it, it just seemed like it, 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 the background noises mixed with the orchestra, like they they couldn't quite get a handle on what to focus on because they were juggling so many and things at once. And, and at times, it felt like they weren't quite that confident in the strength of the vocals when it wasn't you know Jennifer Hudson when it was someone else. So it was like, oh, let's uh let's turn up this part of uh, of the audio. Let's focus on this. And it's like, wait, but there's lyrics going on. It makes no sense. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think there was in, there was a point in the beginning where there's like <laughs> the tenor line in like I think the like opening song is like very prominent compared to everything else, and I think it's because they were like boosting Robbie Fairchild singing, but like mm. I don't like it was just weirdly like out there, and then like I. I said that I wasn't going to do this, but in the, like in the stage performance recordings, uh, like the mixing is just, I don't think I realized it until I listened to like a good version of the music from this show, because it's so much better than what we got in the movie. Um, just from like a, a vocalizing and mixing standpoint. Yeah. There's also, I, I said, I was going to compare this to a dream to dream from Les Mis in the memory scene. There's this, okay, so a, a really good actor on stage can look like they're like crying and still be able to sing really well. Because when you cry, you get a bunch of mucus and phlegm in your throat, and that's not good for your voice. It's terrible for your voice. It sounds bad, and it'll damage you. And it's like, if you can cry for real on stage, like during a play or in a musical, if your character doesn't sing, or if you're done singing for the show and you just have, like, whatever. Or, like, in a movie. That's a really impressive thing to be able to do. But with I Dreamed a Dream, it's a huge issue. It totally compromises the music when they cry. And, like, because it ruins the vocal performance. Like, it's very good. But then, like, Tom Hooper is just like, no, wreck this vocal performance. Make it worthless. Like, and the fact, and, like, you see Jennifer Hudson crying and, like, 
okay, it's emotional, it's a good performance. But then, like, you can hear it in her voice, you can hear it taking a toll on her, and, like, that's not good. It's not a good thing. Also, look up mm-hmm. some really horrendous stuff that was going on on the set of Les Mis with, like, how the actors were taking care of their voices. Like, Hugh Jackman, like, he didn't drink water for, like, three days so that he could look ripped for the one scene where, like... He should have, like, I, I don't understand how he is able to still speak when he has to sing Valjean after not drinking water. But, like, Jesus. there's some really bad stuff that went on there, but I just wasn't on that episode. But, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, so I'm going to disagree with you on I Dream a Dream and this scene in terms of the, the vocal quality. I think the reason why I Dream a Dream and Memory still works as an individual song here in these two films is because the the mucusy and the the damage of the voice coincides with how the character is feeling and that's why it still works so specifically in Les Mis with I Dreamed a Dream less so here because I'm not connected to this character and I'm not connected to the story but in I Dreamed a Dream in Les Mis the reason why Anne Hathaway won an Oscar for that song basically for that performance of that song basically is the reason she won her Oscar is because you feel the emotion with it and it feels more real like, if someone was just belting I Dreamed a Dream with a perfect voice, it wouldn't feel like that character is actually going through that. Mm. And because the voice is damaged, it, it reflects the character. And that's why that works for that scene in that film. And that's why it, it works to a much smaller extent in this film with memory. See, it's I get that. It feels like you feel the damage with the character instead of having this clean vocal performance that you're looking for. See, yeah, yeah I get that she is supposed to be emotional during this scene. But, like... Brendan, maybe you can fact check me on this. Did the original Fontaine uh, in Les Mis win a Tony? Uh, hmm. I don't know if she I won a Tony. Feel like she did, but okay. Um, regardless, it you can still bring the emotion without just wrecking your voice like that. And even in, I, we're talking a little bit too much about Les Mis for the Cats podcast, but this is okay because I wasn't on the Les Mis episode, and I just had to listen to it recently to grab clips from. Or for our three-year episode. So I have some thoughts that are fresh in my mind. But it, like, yeah, I get that she's supposed to be emotional, but that wrecks the vocal performance. Like, she sounds terrible. And she is a... That's the point, though. And she's a good singer. Yeah, but that's not what you want in a musical. I mean, like, maybe that's... In a movie is the thing. In a musical, yes. In a movie, I, I'm talking strictly Les Mis here. In a movie, it worked for me because it was a film medium. Oh, you know God. what I mean? And I was looking more at the film aspects than the musical aspects. But I hear what you're saying. And I agree with both of you. I think that this song works on a individual level, just solely this song in this movie. But if you expand it, it, if you try to read into it, there, you know, you're not connected to this character at all. And, and yeah, you know, I think I was like, you know, kind of the same thing with Floyd. I was willing to excuse it just because it felt very real to me. They're very raw. Um, and I think it is impressive when someone can, uh, you know, st- sound good, but then also bring that, that crying, teary noise to it to shout out a certain person on this podcast. Uh, how could I ever know and where in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I thought this was, I thought Jennifer Hudson was a, a, a nice addition to this cast, but totally felt out of place with her, like, this very real, and it felt very much so like Anne Hathaway in Les Mis. And it was like, what are you doing when all these people are prancing around and falling into trash cans? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess, Bre- Brendan, you can you can weigh in on the vocal quality thing, too. I, I'd like to hear your input. But, like, I guess it's just kind of an agree to disagree. Like, I feel like there are ways that you can elevate a performance emotionally 
without having the actual, you know, fluids going back into your throat and making your voice sound bad. And like, like the, the heavy breathing stuff in, in I dreamed a dream, just, it, it just wrecks it for me. Like, I get that it's a, that's what makes it, I get that it's, yeah. And again, that's just like agree to disagree, but like, there are ways to do that without, um, you know, without that, you know, physical, physical, those, that fluid getting backed up in your throat and wrecking the vocal performance. So yeah, I don't know how you feel about this, Brendan. Um, just to uh, go back, I, I looked up to see. I, I, it was Eponine who won the Tony, not Fontaine. Um, That's fair. Yeah. Okay. But uh, in terms of vocal performance, mm. it and should have been in Les Mis in the 2012 movie. Yes. Um, but in terms of vocal performance, uh, you know, with Fontaine, I, I don't remember exactly what I said about Les Mis, and it's been such a long time since I've seen that movie. Um, it's a different medium. And I get that filmmakers want this like really up close and personal, but if you're in a studio recording these scenes, like the reason that I think on stage you can have people like if you see like Dear Evan Hansen and you see Ben Platt crying and sobbing his way doing a movie of which. uh, Okay. Really? Uh, But there's um, fuck that. But you see, but you see Ben Platt like sobbing and crying his way through words fail the reason that he's able to do that is because he's playing to a house of like 6,000 people. And there's like, you know, theater actors have the technique in a larger house to convey that emotion without destroying their voices. Um, and I think that just in a, in a film medium, you know, it like, it can maybe elevate from a performance aspect, but from a tonal and like listening quality, it's just, it's not going to sound as clean. And if, especially if your audio mixing isn't right, it's just not going to turn out with that same effect that you would have. It it just doesn't work cross medium, I think is what I would say about that. Yeah. A quick sidebar. I I said, fuck that when Dear Evan Hansen came up, but I really love that show. I I saw it on Broadway and it's, absolutely incredible but i just don't yeah, think it needs a movie which is why i reacted that way but yeah go ahead it also I, didn't need a I book i will reserve my i will reserve my opinion on the dear Evan hansen film until i see it but or at least until i see a trailer but i i think this film brings up a very interesting conversation on on, on art mediums and how this film demonstrates how some things are just impossible to transfer from one medium to the other because the conversation we're having right now honestly it sounds like it's coming from two film guys against two theater guys as our default Mm -hmm. um default medium of art that we prefer and that's not to say that the two sides don't also appreciate the other but i would say what works about les mis and this scene in cats i can't believe i just said those words um (laughs) this and and what works about I mean, what works about the film medium in general is, like we talked about, you want close-ups. With film, you can do a lot more things than you can do in theater. And there's a thing in theater that you can do a lot more things than in film. In theater, the whole point is seemingly with musicals. And this is just coming from someone who doesn't quite under, you know, isn't studying it. It seems like the whole point is the music and the musical performance and being there in the crowd and seeing someone perform these amazing vocals in front of you. The thing with a movie musical, that is not the thing you are there for. A movie musical, despite the sa- the word musical, you are not there for the vocal performances because you know that they can be there and they can edit that thing to shit to make it sound good. Yep. 
So a great song or a great a great vocal performance, while impressive, is not the main thing you are there for. You are there for the technical filmmaking craft. The reason why La La Land is so beautiful is because of the production design, the choreography, and the cinematography, not the vocal performances of Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, which are still good. I think those are still good performances. And I think Emma Stone absolutely de- deserved her Oscar. I think it shows you that some of the medium it really depends... It, a lot of your enjoyment of a lot of things will depend on the medium and the default that your medium presents. I agree yeah. with you to a point. Yes, I I, I do think um, it's not exclusive. Like I, I do think there are movie musicals that have great vocal performances, and I think sure it, it adds on to it well. But I I do think, at least for me, and I think for most directors when they're looking to direct a movie musical, is their primary goal is yes, not necessarily the vocal performances, and it's let's add a different a different spin on this than we saw in the theater. And usually that involves something other than the vocal performances. It usually involves an emphasis on different cinematography, different camera work, which we see in all these Hooper movie musicals, which is a lot of close-ups, And we're going to get like on a, a different sort of view than you would see in the musical, which I appreciate that he's going for a different perspective, but it doesn't always work. Let example. me just, yeah, I mean, I get okay, so I've heard you. You didn't specifically say it this time, but I've heard you say about La La Land. You like that their voices aren't, you know, perfect because yes, the characters' same. voices aren't perfect. But I think the reason why that's not true for me, and why I would like for them to be really good singers in La La Land, is that the point isn't, you know, like Jean Valjean isn't, uh, or the the actors who play Jean Valjean aren't good at singing because the character is good at singing. Um, you know, and that's not like, you'll hear me say this a lot when it comes to musical theater, but like the whole format is they, the characters talk until they can't express what they want to express with words. So then they, then they sing. And then when they can't express what they want with song, then they dance. And that's how, that's how it works. And so when you have like, when you have like Anne Hathaway or, or sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. When you have like, um, Ryan Gosling and, and Emma Stone and La La Land. Like, it's not, it's not the characters singing. Like the singing that they're doing is not diegetic, uh, which is a term that we like to use a lot um, with the show and with Back in Style, especially. But like, I don't know. It's it's that's not the point of it. It's not it's not that like this is how the character would sing. It's it's now transcending reality. And so I do I do go to movie musicals to to hear the vocal performances. One of the one of the best parts of um, of uh, uh, the Les Mis movie from 2012 is the end of whatever song that is. Um, uh, Who sings f- it? I'm totally forgetting, but the, the trio Lovely where there's uh, Eponine, uh, Marius and, and yeah, Cosette. Heart and full they, of love. Yes. Heart full of love. It's so beautiful. They, they end on this amazing chord that they're all just perfectly in tune. And I so much prefer that to end Hathaway's <laughs> dream, dream, like, it's good. I get that she's giving emotion, but like, I don't, I don't go, you know, I, I need there to be a, a strong vocal performance. Like there's, and I really don't, it's not, it, yeah. but like, that's the whole point of theater that the singing, the yeah. singing is not the character singing. And so this is where I'm going to bring it back around to, to Fontaine in that scene. Like it's not that the character, like the character being emotional should not affect uh, the vocal performance. Just like, you know, a, a character not being a natural singer shouldn't affect how the how the actor or actress sings the part. 
Yeah. Yeah. Something that's, um, that's really interesting, uh, in terms of movie musicals is, uh, someday I think that we should talk about Sweeney Todd because it used to be one of my favorite shows and still is. Um, but that movie is solely the only reason that it's as popular as it is, is for the aesthetic. And because it is this Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, Helena Bonham Carter, twisty, weird aesthetic. And the vocal performances in that movie are bad. Like they are not well sung and yet it is a cult classic. And some people like consider it better than like the original, um, on Broadway, which isn't the case for a lot of movies. Um, I think the thing about that is that like, you know, you get these performances that are like almost on this level of like the inner monologue slipping out. And that's why like the reason that I dreamed a dream doesn't work as like this close up grimy shot is because it is supposed to like be in Fontaine's head. It's supposed to be what she's feeling and this pure raw emotion not shown on her face, but through her voice. And I think exactly. that's just something that like that film can't capture if you're going to stage it in, in the ways that Tom Hooper has decided to do with this scene and, and with memory. Um, and I think that it is something that surprisingly Tim Burton actually does fairly well having these singers that are less than stellar, um, in, in shaping it into these ways where it can still come out as their emotion. Like you get my favorite song in all of Sweeney Todd is epiphany where Johnny Depp finally snaps and is like about to start his murderous rampage. Um, and the whole thing is like, it's not spoilers. Um, (laughs) well, okay. It's called Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of fleet street. It's not that much of a spoiler. (laughs) Yeah, but I didn't know he was going to kill anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but anyway, so spoilers, spoilers for Sweeney Todd, but, uh, but he is, uh, it's framed in a way where he isn't, like he's not even it's like the the music is there but he is screaming the song at this point and even though and i think it's a way that tim burton is able to utilize his like uh the fact that he knows johnny depp like isn't a strong singer and like doesn't really have like a traditional musical theater voice that would be required for a role like this um and is able to use it to his advantage uh while still living in that realm of seeing song as the 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 method of conveying emotions uh when you can't speak on them anymore um and so in terms of cats i i think that that's where the problem lies with uh this scene in particular and the way that tom hooper has chosen to direct it and and frame it yeah i think it also works because Tim Burton's style is very inherently theatrical and over the top. Yeah, he's very and here cool. we have Tom we have Tom Hooper who directed King's Speech, you know, where this feels he, a lot of his movies go for this very just drama feel. And yeah. I, I'm surprised our conversation I, I I going into this I thought this would be a very goofy conversation about cats, but we've actually And it was for a while. Entered yeah. down this very very well thought out and intellectual conversation about the difference between these two mediums. So this yeah. is nice. But yeah. Well yeah, and and you know, going with uh the difference between kind of Tim Burton and Tom Hooper, uh Timmy and Tommy, as I like to call him. <laughs> hey um, New Horizons. Yes. Uh yeah, I mean like it, again, and I feel I'm bringing it back to the idea of an animated movie because I feel like why the the reason why all those Disney Renaissance movie work movies worked so well is that like you're already watching like 
a mermaid and a crab like talk to each other. So like then when the mermaid and the crab start singing, like it's not that much of a stretch. But like when Tom Hooper is so like realism to the max, um, it make like it's so ridiculous then that all of these that all of these like bonkers CGI cats are then running around because he's trying to be like so realistic about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. And, and again, I, I, this movie is horrifying. <laughs> but it, Sucks. Like, if, if, if we're going back to the, the Fontaine scene, I think works because of the film medium, the way it's presented. This scene, the memory scene, again, just clipped out these three minutes or however long the scene is, works just on a raw emotional film level. In a context of the film, the film around it, the CGI, the production design, everything else doesn't work. Nothing. But yeah. I'm just saying in terms of, I, I feel like this kind of slipped into a review of uh, of Les Mis and then kind of slips back into a review yeah. of Cats. But um, I'm glad we touched on that, though. Yeah. No, I am too. And two more things. Um, Brendan, I want to talk about one more thing, which, one more performance, and then you can talk about your cat names and then we can piece the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah. Um, so the last performance that I want to touch on, because Ricky Gervais so eloquently put it in his Golden Globe speech, is Judy Dench. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about Judy Dench in this movie. She... She she has lost everything that she had respect like this performance of one point of her like laying lounging like Ugh. looking sex sexy at Ian McKellen and then lifting her leg up in such a weird way, I, oh my god! And then her talking her songs. It's just oh I love you Judy Dench, but come on. Yeah, I felt the same with Ian McKellen. I was like. I really hope, like, this is the most recent movie he did, and he looks super old, and I'm really afraid that he's going to die soon, and that's going to be his last movie. And I do not want that to be the great Ian McKellen's last movie. Yes, I agree. Gandalf, no. Um, Yeah, I think Judi Dench is fine in this movie. I think her performance is fine. But I think the songs, one of the most annoying parts of this movie was the fucking end when she stares right into the camera and like gives you the instructions on how to greet cats. And all the people in the back are going, <sighs> yeah, she can see oh, us. But the oh, other God, three are that's just the worst part. I hate that part. Yeah, she can see us, but the other three are just looking right at her. And also and they're just reacting for five minutes. Yeah. Also, she's just not singing the right stuff. And like, it's weird. I guess that's what, but like, it very like, and not not that I knew this song coming in, but like, you can very obviously hear it in the in the background. Like, there are woodwind parts in the background that you can hear that are playing the melody, and she just isn't singing it. It's baffling. Like, it's this weird speaking thing. Yeah, she's doing. right. And and and, and a... I don't blame it on her. Like again, like if you yeah. don't if you don't if you don't have a strong singer, like, I get do what you can, but like, don't cast. Don't just like do this stunt casting for the hell of it with someone that can't sing. But then maybe she can sing if she was on Broadway, but like just not this part or, or sorry, the West End, right? Yeah, the West End. Yeah. So like maybe so she maybe, just can't yeah. do this part or maybe she's gotten old and her voice is worse. Like, I, I don't know, but like she just wasn't giving it to me. Like, it, like just not even anything nuanced, just not the right notes. 
Well, it was weird. It, it infuriated me the most. It was like, why are you giving me directions, cats movie? Who are you to tell me what to do, what to say to cats? I was like, I just sat through two hours of this shitty movie. You should owe me something. Well, you know, Old Deuteronomy is, as far as I can tell, normally played by a dude. Um, so I it don't, is. I don't know if that had something to do with the fact that like, maybe they were just like, fuck it. We're not transposing this song. Uh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna put it in a key that you can sing Judy Dench. I don't care yeah. that you were the original Grizabella. Fuck you. You're going to speak, sing all of your songs or something. Um, <laughs> we, we need more Taylor Swift content. Thanks. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I thought that like, it was interesting to have Judy Dench as cat Jesus. Cause I think, I think she was the voice of God in good omens, but I could be wrong about that. That may have been someone else, another old white British woman. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just something, it just kind of like rubbed me the wrong way about like the way that she was kind of treated in this movie, um, as like being cat Jesus, but then like not really fucking mattering. Um, I have, I don't know how much more you guys have to say about this, but I have, um, I have two points of confusion and one thing that absolutely infuriated me that I think is just far and away the worst part of the show. And I will, I'll, Go I'll ahead. tell you right now, the magical Mr. Mistopheles song. Uh, first of all, this, this annoying refrain that repeats and repeats and repeats and is always the same. And nothing ever changes, but something does change because he's trying to work his magic and he's trying to use his special magic pencil to make, uh, make old dude, uh, old Deuteronomy, uh, come back and people are singing this chorus and then he tries at the end of every, at every time they sing it and then they do it again and then he tries again and it doesn't work. And then you know what they do to finally get the magic to work? They sing it again. They just sing the exact same thing that they have been singing, and now we can do it. And that is absolutely horrendous. It is insulting to to the audience. It's so insulting to the audience because you're, like, the effect that they're going for, the only possible explanation for this is that, like, this time it's different. How is it different? We don't know. It's different. Just Just go with it. Like... It makes no sense. And then it's absolutely infuriating. And then he can fly around. He's doing card tricks in the air. And he's, like, making instruments play themselves. That's another thing I didn't get with this. Like, some of these some of these cats are legitimately magical. Like, they have yeah. superpowers. Isn't Mistopheles the name of a demon or something? Probably. Like, I, I, yeah. It's, like, maybe another name for the devil or, like, someone but, we're closely related to. I don't know. But yeah, that yeah, is no. far and away the worst part of the show for me. I It's absolutely insulting to everyone watching. I agree with you, Logan. This scene was terrible. And what you mentioned with how they kept on repeating uh, the same, whatever you said, refrain or chorus, was something I noticed in one of the first songs in the movie where I, I think they just said the jelly cats can and the jelly cats do, <laughs> the and they just repeat it. It's just, it zaps the song of so much energy. Like, in the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm kind of feeling it. Like, we're moving forward. We got this pace. And it's like in a song where then they just repeat the chorus and repeat the chorus, and it's like, okay, now we're just falling into this rut. Yeah. And it seems like you don't know what to do. I literally wrote in my notes, I was like, this magic song sucks. 
make it end. <laughs> I zoned out. And I know, Brendan, you said that, like, sometimes the only thing keeping you in this movie was how bad it was. Yes. And in this scene, it, it took me right out. And I was just, I, I got, I was just on my phone. I was like, I can't do this. I'm zoning out. I'm checked out. And then Judy Dench appeared, and I was like, okay, I don't know how the fuck that She's happened. Back. I totally missed that part. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and the Jellicle thing is, the Jellicle song right at the beginning is, like, it's it's metrically and harmonically interesting. So like when they repeat it, I'm like, okay, like it's fine. But the the magical Mr. Mistopheles song is just terrible. It's it's not fun to listen to once, let alone like thirty times. Yeah, just over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, without without doxing anyone here, I did want to just add a quick tidbit that one of my high school girlfriends told me that as a kid, her first screen crush was the magical Mr. Mistopheles. Um, yeah. so shout out to, furry. shout out to that high school girl. I don't know. We weren't together long enough for me to find out, but, uh, shout, shout out to her, uh, for shout out to you, letting me know that you were attracted to the magical Mr. Mistopheles. <laughs> oh, so she is a furry, at least to some extent. So I, know. I have one more thing that I think we could talk about. Uh, what happens with the whole, I'm so ready to be done with this conversation, me too. but go ahead. But what happens with the whole rebirth thing and like, is it basically just that you go into the sky and you die? <laughs> yep, I guess. But you, you get become reborn. another cat or I a guess. human or like what? I don't know. Is it well, a you nine get lives reborn. Thing? But here's the thing: McCavity has spent so much time building up like street cred, and he's basically like a crime boss or a pimp or whatever you want to call him. Like, yeah, he is. He seems pretty happy with where he is. Why does he want to be reborn and like come back as someone different with a different life? Like, why know. do any of these people like? Gus, I can understand the theater cat. Like, makes sense. He's old. He's like lived through his glory days, and he wants to be reborn as like some something new. And that's kind of that's honestly the most compelling part of this whole thing. But like, how often can they do this? Is it every year, or is it like yearly. once a month? See, I think it's every yearly. year, but then like, it's always on a full moon, seemingly. So like, maybe it's every so month, every but month? that's like a cat year. I don't know. Just wait until next month, dude. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's it's just very weird. And I, maybe it's like a play on the whole nine lives thing. Um, yeah, maybe. If I don't know if anyone has anything else to say, but I I have something about the names of cats that I would like. To I would bring love up. to go for it. Yeah. Um. So obviously we have some of the iconic names of this cast, like the magical Mr. Mistopheles, McCavity, Monkstrap, Skimbleshanks, Rum Tum Tugger. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you knew that Taylor Swift's cat's name was named Bomb Ballerina, um, yep. which is just the weirdest name. But uh, I have a list of cats you didn't know had names. Uh, oh, can I say two? Oh yes. I know Plato and Socrates are played by real life twins. Yes, Plato oh, and Socrates. No. Uh, so, but we can scratch those from the list. But there is also Cassandra, Demeter, uh, Coricopat, Syllabub. Sil that just looks like Sibulba. Uh <laughs> It is Sibulba. Also, Victoria. I would rather have. It is now I would Sibulba. rather have a movie. Instead of cats, just Sebulbas. Sebulba, a Star <laughs> Wars story about Sibulba, the Doug from he actually Star has a Wars. Cool design. I've always he liked does. his design. Um, Tantamile, Tantamile. I don't know. Jelly Lorem, Alonzo, Ad Admetus, Electra, Mater D, and Griddlebone, and forty-eight fucking ensemble members. Oh my God. Well, Griddlebone. Here's what I don't get. Like they have a song about how 
I think at one point uh, it's it's Monk Strapian and he says that every cat has like three names or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. And one of them they explain is like your normal name, like your normal person name, like I don't know. Uh, wait, Victoria is the name. Yeah. Right. I, I'm getting that right yeah. this time. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think so. Like you have Victoria, or then they give examples like Alonzo is one of them, the most normal name you could think of. <laughs> but then they have oh, like yes. their goofy Asparagus. names, you know, the the all the weird ones, the McCavity, Mcstopheles, Rumpelteaser, all those wacky names. But then what's the third? And also, Gus is named Asparagus, but but they just call him Gus. But they just call him Gus. So Asparagus is his like wacky cat name. But then, well, I would assume so, because asparagus isn't a normal name, but Gus is a normal name. So did he derive his normal name from his wacky cat name or what's going on here? I don't know. I don't understand the naming of Jellicles. I don't know. And then does does Victoria get because the third name is like the name that only, you know, that you have to like earn. Does she get the name after she does the weird dance? <laughs> like, is that what happened? Like, I have no idea. Is it like a I confirmation name? Do you pick like a saint? A cat saint <laughs> right. or something? Maybe it's like your mantra with transcendental meditation. Yes, you have to pay drop like $2,000 to get your cat name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we do not have to drop $2,000 to get our cat names because I am sending to our group chat right now uh, an image I found online uh, that will give you your Jellicle cat name. It's a name oh, generator yes. based on uh, your your last name and your birthday. All right, let's figure so, this shit out. Right. So I will yes. go first. Um, oh, okay. It goes by it's the your last, last letter, letter of your, of last, your name. last name. Yeah. Okay. So uh, mine would be Barbara Pum Pum. <laughs> uh, <I was> gonna... <laughs> Mine is uh, mine is Chumba Pum Pum. Oh, nice. Um, mine is. Wait, let me see here. Oh, uh, why? Oh gosh, mine is Razama Botch. <laughs> Razama Botch. Right. Mine is Dumblebell. No, it's not. <laughs> what? Dumblebell? Or no, it's Jellybell. Sorry. Jellybell. Well, that's good. I'm really glad we did that. Yeah, I'm glad we figured. Uh, Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Razama Batch. (laughs) Razama Batch. Chumba Pum Pum. Nice. Oh wow. Um, I think this is a good point to wrap it up. So I'm gonna veto anything else to talk about with this this fucking movie. Uh, Brendan, final thoughts and ratings, please. Uh, yeah. So this movie is hot fucking garbage, and it is. I wouldn't say it's the worst thing that I've ever seen on screen. Like I said before, it kept my attention by being so bad. And now going and, like, looking at the other, um, you know, the other recordings of Cats and, and, like, the different cast recordings and different clips from, like, the revivals and the tours and stuff, um, it, it just... It makes me sad that I'm gonna give this such a low rating and also makes me mad because we're just completely devaluing any future movie musicals by putting out bullshit like this and letting fucking Tom Hooper direct another fucking shitty movie musical with his bullshit, you know, directing practices that apparently he just can't put out a good movie musical. Um, 
And, you know, it's it's just really disappointing and really frustrating because that means that in the future, we're not going to get more movie musicals because nobody's going to want to take a chance on shit like this again. You know, maybe you'll get it if there's like a, a Hamilton or a Dear Evan Hansen. But like some of these like older, you know, musicals that have really like pervade throughout history, um, th- there's just, you know, it, it, a lot of disappointment that comes along with having a movie this bad. Um, man, you know, I just, I like, I really wanted to at least give this movie a D minus, but it's going to get an F. It fucking sucks. This movie is bad folks. Uh, we've been talking about it for an hour 45, which is longer than this, which is about how long this movie was, was too long for the movie to be and too long for us to be talking about it. Cause it doesn't deserve it. <laughs> I said it before, just because you can't doesn't mean you should. Yes, maybe technically, this fur looks realistic. Yes, as I said, my pauses were the production design looks pretty. I love the the lighting. I love the landscape. But as soon as you insert these weird, freakish, hellish CGI cats who dance and prance around in front of me on the screen, it's terrifying, it's garish, it's unnerving. Um, You know, it is disappointing because I do think uh, I mean, I don't think I can anymore say that Tom Hooper knows how to direct anything, but I, you know, he made King's Speech, which is a great movie. I haven't seen Danish Girl, but everybody says it's great. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see how he bounces back from this, which is kind of a sidebar, but it just it, the reception of his next movie will be interesting because all the press will be circling around cats. But I think this is a terrible movie. I mean, uh, it, it tries to. Uh, take steps away from from the musical version in terms of the production and the cinematography but then it also just emulates it it seems like in the story structure and it doesn't quite mesh well tonally it's a mess we've got this goofy slapstick comedy that just feels tailor-made for whatever shitty celebrities they can throw in the movie to have more star status um it's a complete mess I'm glad we're talking about it because it is. I think this is a very culturally iconic film just because of how shitty it was and the absolute groundswell that has sparked in the media. Um, you know, I did give it some positives, so I can't go completely on an F in, in this one. Although, I mean, I do think it is terrible. So I'm going to give it, uh, we're going to go with a D on this one because I, I do, I know there's some things that, that keep me interested in this movie. Like we said, Memory, me and Floyd said that we liked this song and I do like some of the production design. But by and large, this is never a movie I want to watch again. It's terrible. It's god awful. Yeah. Um, no, I completely agree. And and as as bad as this is, um, I am glad that I've watched it now. I'm So thank you, Ryan, for making us watch You're this welcome. because I think that this is a very important kind of cultural touchstone for us, even though it's a very negative thing. Um, but Brendan, something you said really was, was striking to me because you said that, you know, unless there's another like Hamilton or Dear Evan Hansen, there won't be another, you know, movie musical of, of this caliber. And I think the thing is back in the day when this came out, it was a Hamilton slash Dear Evan Hansen level. Like it sort of changed the theater landscape that much. And to see it just completely taken down like this is absolutely horrifying. It it makes me scared for those mega musicals in the future. Um, and I think the main thing that it comes down to for me is that Tom Hooper just so obviously didn't get what he was putting on the screen in any way. Like, in the most basic sense, he didn't fucking understand it. 
and he just tried to put something on the screen that he doesn't get. Um, I never, like I said, there was never a moment when I didn't want to turn it off. There was never a moment where some part of me wasn't really tense. Like I tried to like relax my face. Like I would notice that I'm like making a disgusted (laughs) face or like, you know, furrowing my brow or something that I do when I'm like worried or disgusted at something. And it just, I, I would like try to relax and I just couldn't. This is such a hard watch. I do think that this is probably the worst thing that I've ever seen. Um, I think this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Uh, and, you know, to quote Brendan, uh, Brendan's cold open from the Les Mis episode, you fucked it up. You fucked it clean up. That's exactly what you did. And that is my stance. It's an F. <laughs> um, I-, I will stand by my disagreement on Les Mis, but uh, I don't disagree with you on Cats. Um, I don't think this is the worst movie ever made. Um, I think maybe it is one of the biggest failures in terms of what it was going for and what it achieved. Um, before I go into anything else, I, 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 I feel bad for Tom Hooper. I do. I, I want to say that. Yeah. I, I, I feel bad for him, and I think that you might be right that he didn't know what he was doing in terms of what he was getting himself into. And if you go and look at the premiere of this film back in December, Tom Hooper gives an interview to someone. <laughs> who was there and he looked like a broken man if you (laughs) he finished the cut and not in a funny way like in a sad way like he looks like a broken man um he was like yeah i was up i was up for like 72 hours straight in the editing room trying to get this movie to a point that we could show it to audiences in terms of finishing touches and he and a lot of other people with all bad movies put a lot of work into this movie and I feel bad for him. And I hope he has a career moving forward because he is a talented filmmaker, but you also have to be honest at the same time about what was put on screen and what was put on screen is a travesty to the cinematic form. Like (laughs) I, I I hate to put into those big words, but it, it, it really is. It is next level garish terrifying ungodly imagery that you never want to see but let me go into a few details and then i'll get to my rating uh i hate the music in this film uh the music in this movie is not as bad as everything else on screen but i still think the music is bad and again that's coming from an uneducated perspective in terms of how music works technically um i hated the music which makes me think i'm gonna hate the the stage version still the same even though i'm i might enjoy the dancing a little more the the musical vocal performances will be better i'm sure but i'm still sure that i would not come away positive from a cat's stage performance overall you know what i'm saying um this movie it, the cgi is atrocious i still think it looks bad i gotta disagree with you on that i hate the production design all the way through this is the stuff of nightmares i'm basically just reading some of my notes at this point um I'm just going to do it. There is no respite from this hell. We didn't talk about this, but apparently balls are a thing in this film, even though there are no testicles or any on any of these cats, because there is a dropped line about, um, did he get neutered or yeah. something like that? Which means mm-hmm. there is balls in this universe. Um, apparently some of the characters good. had some bulges, which I didn't yeah. notice or read about. Um, so, I mean, another point, the fat jokes are just so demeaning to James Corden. 
Um, I think this may be the third, third ring of hell. Um, I despise every person that allowed this movie to happen in some way, shape, or form. I think being violently ill for an hour and 15 minutes may be more enjoyable. <laughs> one of my jokes, or one of my jokes, one of my notes is I need a break, and then the next bullet point is fine, period, I'll keep going, period. Um, Robbie Fairchild is pretty good. Hmm. I like him. I like Jennifer Hudson's song. I like Memory. I think it's pretty good. Uh, one of my notes is Jason Go Away! Exclamation point about Jason Derulo. The Third Ring of Hell um, is gluttony, by the way, in case anyone was curious. Which is this movie. Yeah. Which is this movie. Wow, I didn't do that on purpose, but that works. Good job, Ryan. Nice. Um, and uh, the last one, my last, my last bullet point here is there was no point. There is no, no what, no hope. I forget what that's a quote from, but that is how I feel about this film. Star it Wars, is probably. It is truly a an atrocious film. I'm going to give it a D minus though. Because I think F implies that there is no value in seeing the film. <laughs> and I think that is not the case. I think that despite everything that I just said, I think everyone should see this movie. I think everyone who watches film any with any bit of regularity needs to watch this movie to better appreciate every other film they watch yeah and i think there is some value to that and there there is an old adage in film school that to make a good movie you need to understand bad movies and i think that this is one of those movies that every filmmaker and every film watcher needs to watch to understand bad filmmaking and bad decision making. And it pains me to say that. Again, I feel bad for Tom Hooper. But there is just almost nothing in this movie that works. And it is just a failure. Despite the fact that I'm not giving it an F, this movie is a cinematic failure. Yes. And I'm glad that we reviewed it. I am too, sincerely, and, yeah. And I'm glad yeah, that I chose this movie. After all of the pain that I, you know, actually one of the notes I skipped over. Not that I don't feel deep regret at all times, but especially during the time that I was watching this film, I felt deep regret that I forced this upon myself. And but others. Again, and, others. and others. But again, by this point, I'm glad that we reviewed this film. Go watch the... And I hope that you guys are as well. The VHS yeah. 1988 whatever. I will have to check that out. It's a better movie. Maybe at some After point. I've given I just need a break from Cats yeah, that's right. for right now, though. Break. Um, but, gentlemen, before we talk about what's coming up next on the CTP, can we talk about the other shows on our network? Yes, we can. Uh, so, of course, on this network, we, besides this, our flagship show, the Cinema Talk Podcast, we have the CTP Movie Journal, which is my... Uh, mayan matt and ryan's uh miscellaneous short form movie podcast featuring their best of lists hey when's that best of the decade coming out boys check the feed friday Great. it's possible Soon. okay okay uh there's of course stop wait what which is our improv comedy advice show back in style our newcomer friendly episodic review of twin peaks twisted bug mysteries your one-stop shop for everything spooky and occult octo island our extended universe star wars podcast and i might play that our brand spanking new video game review podcast Yes, and as always, you can check us out on social media. We are at Twisted Mug Media on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, totally hit us up there. Give us a follow. 
uh, you know, we're expanding that social media base. You know, we're reaching greater audiences, we hope, and we've already accrued a good amount of followers. So we'd love if you could join join the family, really. You know, this this isn't a podcast. This is a movement. So <laughs> hit us up there. If you'd like to talk to us, DM us on those platforms. Or, or if email is your preferred way of communication, you old boomers. Looking at Floyd here, yeah. you can email us at twistedmugmedia at gmail.com. We would love to hear feedback from you. If you've seen this movie, do you agree? We hope you do, because it's really bad. Tell us, what was the most horrifying part of this movie for you? We'd love to hear it. CGI and water. As, and as always, check out everything else on the network, specifically our three-year compilation episode with a lot of funny, funny things in it. Thanks. Also, make sure to go subscribe yes. to us on YouTube. Uh, we are the Twisted Mug Media Company on there, I think, but we should be changing that to network sooner or later. Uh, I posted a video uh, talking about spice in the Star Wars universe, and it was very fun to make, um, and it was fun to research that kind of thing. I have a video coming and fun very to watch. soon. Ryan has a video coming very soon. Thank you so much, Logan. Um, and there also should be another uh, slightly more comedic video that I made a little while ago airing very soon on there so go subscribe there for more updates more videos uh, and video essays and things like that it's going to be a really great time absolutely and coming up next week you know we we did the hitchcock series we did some random movies and then we did the alien series and i was like ugh, we're talking about too many good movies but honestly i was like ugh, we need to talk about cats we need to talk about a really bad movie i'm kind of good for a while which is a good thing because we are moving into david fincher's filmography next week we started with alien 3 back in the alien series but come back next week for our review of one of the greatest films ever made seven by david fincher i know i see matt not not agreeing with that possibly but it no, is i i love that movie no we are going to be talking about great movies not just great movies but like no like legitimately like best of the decade movies once we get closer to that era that's gonna be fun sure. we're taking a real dark turn it's about to get scary it's about to get horrifying it's about to get disturbing as scaring a different way than cats is <laughs> but yes, yes david fincher is starting next week we're getting five reviews in a row of david fincher we're taking a break for another picks review and then the next five david fincher films hopefully ending with mank the new the new david fincher film going on on netflix which hopefully is still happening Fingers even crossed. during the pandemic cool but uh, yeah, so that is what's coming up for us, guys. Just about does. Please us. be sure to come back and listen to those. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for listening to our review of Cats. I'm Ryan. I'm Brendan. I'm Matthew. And I'm Logan. And we'll talk to you soon, guys. Thanks so much. Bye. deserve a cold open that's what it gets <laughs> all right yeah welcome to the cinema talk podcast i am ryan one of your hosts i'm brendan one of your wait no we gotta start your... this shit over i didn't fucking have the cat you you caught me off guard i did not even have the cast slip up cast list up in front of me damn it all right what, can just... i do the same thing yes okay god. but i was not prepared at all for you to just do that oh god we're all set in Fuck the cats <laughs> okay thank you and i think that it... Oh, God, I'm making myself so angry, I'm overheating. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I have so much to say about this shit. It's just an infuriating film. Mm. I do think it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm just getting so mad, I'm overheating. What's up?
I said, I'm getting so mad, I'm just overheating. <laughs> this man is like a PC. <laughs> this film is infuriating. Oh, God, this film. <laughs>